Well, I, I wanted to read a few things as I got started today. You know, you find good quotes and good things along the way, and, and A.W. Tozer being one of my favorites, I found this quote that, that he had, speaking of worship. And preacher talked about worship, I think it was last week, how he took worship off of the sign and, and off of the website maybe because true worship is falling on our face before God and we don't do that. But here's, A.W. Tozer said this and, you know, he's not been with us for a while, but he said, worship is no longer worship when it reflects the culture around us more than the Christ within us. And then I was reading an article on some modern churches. So keep in mind what A.W. Tozer, a. Tozer said. And this was just a, just a bit of something that I found talking about some of the more modern, popular churches uh, that a lot of people are flocking to. And if you've listened to any Christian news of any sort, you will realize that some of their lead pastors have been in some great hot water over things, uh, worldly things that they've gotten themselves caught up. And here's what was said. Said the worshipers who flocked there were like their lead pastor, young, hip, and dressed looking more like they were headed to a rock concert than to Sunday morning church. Well, what about that? The people writing the article couldn't tell the difference. And there's one more thing that uh, if I can find it here quickly. What Apple says about Christian music? Uh, I doubt I can find it quickly, but I'll try. I'll just say this is the gist of it. I can't find it, but um, Apple Music says you can't tell the difference between Christian music and worldly music except for the words. Yeah, I, I, matter of fact, I found that while I was deployed, and I thought, wow. So are, are we going to have a distinct dividing line that separates us between the world? Separates us from the world, I guess I should say. I love music. And so I, I do reading on music when I can. I have uh, a book at home that, it's not what I'm preaching about, it's just on my heart this morning as I was reading some things, and, and the book compares, and we've, we've put a title, Contemporary Christian Music, contemporary in itself, the word is not bad, but it says you, you can't take the world's music and add godly lyrics to it and make it right. You just can't. The priest, when the priest was clean, prepared to go into the temple, and he touched a dead body. What happened to the priest? He became unclean. What do you think you just did to biblical words when you touch them to the world's music? Anyway, I don't know why I got off on that, but anyway, let's read. Uh, take your Bible, turn to 2 Samuel 22. It is 11.35. If I ask somebody later what time it was when I said it was 11.35, please remember that. Because I'll look at the clock and then I won't remember what time was it when I looked at the clock. 
Well, I try to keep track of how long I'm up here, but uh, it's 11.35, and I might look at it at, say, 12.30, but, man, what time was it when I started? <laughs> so it's in your benefit to remember it's 11.35 right now. Second Samuel. <clears throat> I got to get serious at some point here. Second Samuel 22, and we'll just read verse number 4. We sing this out of Psalms. I will call on the Lord who is worthy to be praised. Verse number 4, 2 Samuel 22, verse number 4. I will call on the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your goodness. And Lord, thank you for your word that is true since the beginning and true forevermore. And Lord, may we be attentive today to what your word says, not what I say. And Lord, may you give me the words to say. And Lord, that I wouldn't say anything out of place, but God, I would say things that would just draw hearts closer to you. And Lord, that you would do the talking today. Hide me behind the cross. And Lord, I just pray that you would touch hearts here today. Or if there's someone that's lost, may the word today have such a profound effect on them that they can resist no longer. And they would answer the call today to being saved, calling on you as Lord and Savior. If there's one straying away here today, may today be the day that they would commit to you to come back and draw closer to you. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for how you've blessed our church. Thank you for having the freedom to join together. And Lord, I pray for churches across the land and across the world that can't do this today. But I'm sure thankful that we can. And we'll give you thanks for what you'll do today for us. And Lord, may you be pleased with it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning, um, God brings things to my thought process and maybe some unconventional ways and strange ways sometimes, and I could preach every message and base it around a car somehow. <laughs> I try not to do that. I am a gearhead. I, I, uh, a lot of things of my hobbies involve cars, and so I could illustrate every message with a car somehow. How many of you remember some time ago I had the screen up and, and had a picture of a Model A? and Yeah, see what I mean? Uh, and, and I enjoy doing that. I, I enjoy talking about those things. But um, there's something that's been on my heart. And as I said, the Lord uses interesting things sometimes. And, and even a lot, of, a lot of times, non-spiritual things to help me think on spiritual things. And I'm sure that happens in, in your life too. Um, but what he does in these things is he reminds me of spiritual need through some of these things that he'll bring to my mind. And, and we all have needs in our lives, and some of these needs are of which only Christ can meet. Only God can meet these needs. And, but God has given us the ability also to fulfill needs on our own. And I, I think you'll understand what I'm trying to say is if I'm going to buy a car... God has given me the ability to go out, find a good deal, find the right price, find the car that's going to meet my needs, and buy it. Now, should we do it without praying over it? No, I would, I'm not saying that. But we have that ability. He's given us that a brain to think and to be able to make right decisions. There are right decisions you can make in your life without praying over them. Especially if you're walking in the Spirit. 
buying a house. Now, that requires a little more prayer than in this day and age, and a whole lot more money. <laughs> but in the, same, in the same context, he's given us the ability to think, figure this out. What's best here? What's best there? And, and yes, I would say pray over it. But buying a house is not necessarily a miracle we're looking for. Buying a car is not a miracle. Now, if you want to give me a car, that's a miracle. <laughs> Especially if it was like a, a 1951 Hudson Hornet, twin carbs, you know, feel free. Buying food. Uh, now, now, there were cases. I know Dr. Tom Williams, there was a point in their life, they had no money. They took off to the grocery store with no money. And he's like, God, which grocery store do I go to? He says, this one. So they pulled into this one. They walk in, fill their buggy up. Neither him or his wife would go to the register because they had no money to pay for it. And said, this lady walked up and said, hey, are you Dr. Tom Williams? He said, I am. He said, the Lord just, she said, the Lord just told me to pay for your groceries. <laughs> How many of you have done that? How many of you have went to Walmart or Family Thrift and filled the buggy up with no money in your pocket? I've never done that. Anyway, Tiffany and I don't hold a prayer meeting when it's time to go buy groceries. God has given me a job. She's working. And he's given us the ability to fulfill those things. And to be able to do those things. And, and it requires a great amount of responsibility on my part and your part to meet those needs. God's provided already to be able to fill those needs. Now sometimes in our lives needs arise and we don't necessarily have the means to go forward. There's types of needs that uh, take on many different faces. These can be, you know, it could be health needs, financial, physical, emergencies. And a lot of times these can arise in our lives as crises. What do you do then? Because most of the time, a crisis is out of our hands. And we can often panic. And I'm very guilty of going into panic mode when something like this arises in these types of needs. And I was thinking on this, I got to wondering... Many times we, we get into these situations or these, uh, we have a need, and what do we do? I was sitting here one night, and I heard sirens, and the preacher that was here, I can't even remember, but he stopped and said, somebody is in need. He heard sirens and said, somebody is in need. I have never forgotten that. So when I hear sirens, I try my best to ask God to help whoever that is that is in need right now. The sound of those sirens can represent somebody that needs rescued. We think of the crutches that just had a horrific accident. They needed rescued. And the sounds of those sirens can also represent someone that is in a desperate need. I think we can all realize that when it gets to this point, we may be in a situation that requires rescue from an outside source. I've been in situations I couldn't do anything about it. I'm sure all of you have been in situations where it's out of your hands. I, I, I'm at a loss. I don't know what to do. I need somebody to come from out here 
and help me. So what do we do? We, ha- we may have to make that call. David said, I will call on the Lord who is worthy to be praised. There are many times that in David's life where he knew he needed to be rescued. Can you imagine living the life that David did in this time when Saul's trying to kill him? He's trying to hide. He'd like to kill Saul, but he knows it's not right. And so he just, he just keeps hiding, and he has these needs. But we'll see in a bit what happened when he called. Get into that a little bit farther down. But in today's world, I, I want to bring this into... How, how could we think about this today? Uh, we could associate a lot of sounds. As I said, sitting here one night, I heard sirens. And, and from that point on, I've always thought, when I hear a siren, somebody's in need. We live close to the hospital. I see life light all the time flying across our house. And listen to this. We can associate a lot of sounds with, with rescues or emergencies. Life flight, helicopters, somebody needs to be rescued. Ambulances, somebody's in trouble, somebody's hurt, somebody's in dire, desperate need. Police cars, fire trucks. Think about this, gunfire during wartime. That could be your rescue. Bombs, like real, you know, like legal bombs, that have to be dropped to save somebody else. Somebody's called in. Uh, people call in for support to be rescued. I watched a documentary not long ago, and if you're familiar with the term danger close, that means drop the bomb where I'm standing. And I watched this documentary, and this guy says, in order to save these other people, just drop it right on top of me because the enemy is right here. And there was no way to get away from them. And the dispatcher says, that's that's your position. He says, I know. And so they blew the place to smithereens in order to save another group of people. He rescued some other people. Fighter planes overhead. How about the sounds of tools trying to dig you out of a collapsed World Trade Center tower? What if you could hear that? That's the sound of rescue. What does rescue sound like? How about the jaws of life cutting you out of a mangled up automobile? That's the sound of you getting rescued. Now let's go back to the Bible for some sounds that people could forever associate with being rescued. There's a sound that Moses would forever know as a sound of being rescued. And that was the sound of an east wind pushing back a river. So that they could go across and be rescued and saved from an army that was pursuing them. I would imagine that from that point on, every time Moses heard the wind blow, he could think back. You know the last time that wind blowed from that direction? When that east wind blew? Guess what happened? We crossed. And as I was reading this too, uh, I've discussed this at at some point. You think when you stop a river, what happens to the other side of the river? It keeps going. But that didn't happen in this case. I don't know why I didn't catch this till this this past week. There was two walls of water. Why? Because God did it. 
If I would, if man would have stopped that, yeah, the rest of that river would have kept going. But I think in order to, for God to show himself mighty, he said, I'll just build you two walls of water. So I think Moses, from that point on, when he heard the wind blow, that was the sound of rescue to him, delivering them out of the hand of the Egyptians. In 2 Kings chapter 3, we see the people delivered by literally silence. Is silence a sound? Somewhat. They had traveled to go to war and needed water, and they stopped. There was no water, and so they started complaining, and they started, have you brought us out here to just let us die? We don't have water for us. There's not water for our animals. And so they asked the prophet of the Lord, and I'm not taking you all these references because I'm already running out of time. And so the prophet says, hey, just go ahead and dig some ditches out here. I love this story. I just love it. So they dig some ditches. Can you imagine? Are you out of your mind? We are beat. We're thirsty. We're tired. We've traveled. You still want us to fight. We have no energy left. And you go, you say, dig some ditches. Who brought this guy? But you know what they did? They obeyed. Maybe not in the right spirit. How many times do we obey? Maybe not necessarily in the right spirit. So guess what happened? He says, you won't hear wind. You won't hear. There was no sound associated with this. But yet, so that's why I say the sound of silence. They woke up and guess what? Those ditches were full. And I love how on the two opposite sides, when they came, the, the water appeared as blood. And so they thought, they're already dead. We don't even have to fight. But guess what happened? That caused them to come unprepared. They're, they're, they already taken their mind off of war. And so as they came in thinking, they're already all dead, they got wiped out. So there was no sound. But I still like to think of that as that silence, as a sound of rescue. You're not going to hear me working. You ever question God sometimes when, well, I don't see you doing anything. I don't hear you doing anything, but yet he still delivers. Just because we don't hear it and we don't see it. God doesn't have to show it to us. He doesn't have to show it to us. He worked while they were sleeping. All right. So they were delivered. How about Mark chapter 2, verse 3? This sound of rescue was the sound of the roof getting torn off. Well, we think that is a tra- I got to call the insurance. The roof just got ripped off. No, this is what it took for these friends to bring this man to Christ that he might be rescued. They had to tear the roof off. And so that was the sound of his rescue. <laughs> Whatever that sounds like. That was the sound. Of this man getting rescued. He had friends that loved him enough that said, hey, we'll do what it takes. And so they tore the roof off. And I think that man would remember. Whether he'd ever hear a roof getting torn off again or not, I don't know. (laughs) But he would remember that sound. That's when my friends loved me enough to tear the roof off. And drop me down to Christ so that I could get to him. That was his sound of rescue. He would remember. 
That's what it took to get to the Savior. In times of distress and disaster, we should be, we would, we'll go to great lengths to get rescued. Even two blind men got up and followed Christ in their despair. They were blind. You ever thought about that? They followed Christ, but they were blind. How did they follow Him? Here's what I think, and this is just what I think. It's not written here. I think they followed Him because they could hear Him speak, and they could hear His footsteps as He came by. Whether or not that's true, but I think they followed the sound of His voice and His footsteps. We could follow the sound of His voice today. It's not an audible voice, but it is a voice that speaks loud and clear. And so they got up. They somehow knew His voice. They got up. They took off. And they followed Him until they were delivered. They were willing to follow even though they couldn't see what was happening. Would we do that today? Would we follow Him even though we can't see what's happening? Would we have enough faith and trust in Christ to follow Him even though we can't physically see what's going on? Let's go back to our text. We're just going to point some things out quickly. David said, I will call on the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. What happened when he called on the Lord? I'm just going to point these out. The earth shook and trembled. The foundations of heaven moved and shook. There was smoke, fire, darkness, thick clouds, arrows, lightnings, his voice. That's pretty intense. So God heard David. And in no small way did he let him know. I mean, all right, David. And here, here it goes. The foundations of heaven were moved and shook and smoke and fire and darkness and thick clouds and lightnings. Think about that. that that's never happened when I've prayed, by the way. Anybody? Has that happened for anybody? You have a personal experience with that? I don't know what I would do. Now let's go on a, a quick journey. Come with me to a place called Golgotha. As we make this journey, I, I want you to listen. Listen for a few things. See if you can hear the sound of the stripes being laid upon his back. That's a sound of rescue. The sound of heavy laden footsteps as he tries to hold himself up under the weight of the cross. The cross falling to the ground as he collapses. The sound of mocking. Will you stay with him still? Crying as the Savior makes his way to Golgotha. Now, I brought something in for an illustration. I want to do something here. Hopefully this works out. I think some people that were on Golgotha that morning are going to remember this sound right here.
what does that sound represent? You and I being rescued. Can you hear, I thirst? Can you hear, Father, forgive them? Why hast thou forsaken me? Into thy hands I commend my spirit. In the best of all, it is finished. It is finished. Not he is finished, but it is finished. Can you hear the sound of a spear piercing his side? When David called upon the Lord, look what happens here. Earthquakes. The darkening of the sky. The veil of the temple. Rent and twain from top to bottom. Can you hear that? Can you hear those sounds of rescue that were for you and I? What do they mean to you today? What do those sounds mean to you today? Just as the sound of a siren represents someone needing rescued, so does the sound of the Savior being nailed to the cross. That people need rescued. Psalm 55, 16 says, As for me, I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. The Lord shall save me. Do you need to place that call today? There may be someone here that needs to place that call. Let me read this morning what Charles Spurgeon had to say this morning in his devotion. And brother, when you sang that song, that's why I said it fits perfect. I'll read this and I'll be done. Dr. William Carey is said to be the, the, mission, the, the father of missionaries, for starting missionaries. He says... When Dr. Carey was suffering from a dangerous illness, the inquiry was made, if this sickness should prove fatal, what passage would you select as the text for your funeral sermon? He replied, Oh, I feel that such a poor sinful creature is unworthy to have anything said about him. But if a funeral sermon must be preached, let it be from the words, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. According unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. In the same spirit of humility, he directed in his will what the following inscription and nothing more should be cut on his gravestone. William Carey, born August 17, 1761, died. A wretched, poor, and helpless worm, on thy kind arms I fall. Only on the footing of free grace can the most experienced and most honored of the saints approach their God. The best of men are conscious above all others that they are men at best. Empty boats float high, but heavily laden vessels are low in the water. Mere professors can boast, but true children of God cry for mercy upon their unprofitableness. We have need that the Lord should have mercy upon our good works, our prayers, our preachings, our almsgivings, our holiest things. The blood was not only sprinkled upon the doorpost of Israel's dwelling houses, but upon the sanctuary, the mercy seat, and the altar. Because as sin intrudes into our holiest things, the blood of Jesus is needed to purify them from defilement. 
if mercy be needed to be exercised towards our duties, what shall be said of our sins? How sweet the remembrance that that inexhaustible mercy is waiting to be gracious to us. To restore our backslidings and make our broken bones rejoice. Man. Do you need to make a call today? Let's stand. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Are you here this morning needing rescued? Come and just lay it out before the Lord. Because He'll answer that call. He will rescue you whether it be from the grips of sin or just the lack of needing, the lack of a Savior. If you need to be saved, He will rescue you today. Let's pray.